live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Major Jamie Satterley, and I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. Uh, We got to speak with Lieutenant Colonel Shirley White, who, along with her husband, uh, Colonel Charlie White, was able to um, create what we know today as the angel tree. So we spoke with her. Uh, she gave us all the, the fun details and how this, um, this little idea that they had way back then uh, sprung into this kind of national initiative that we have today. So stick with us. Uh, learn all about the backstory to the angel tree. Colonel White, would you mind sharing, to start off with, just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your history with the Army, um, all that all that fun stuff. History of the Army goes back to when I was three years old, when we first started <laughs> attending the Salvation Army here in Owensboro. From there, it's just been continuously all of my life. Started with my parents, and then I, that's where I met my husband. He also attended the Army here, and... Uh, he was called to be an officer, and I was, and then it's just kind of all history from there. <laughs> yeah. And I, you were telling us that you're volunteering today at the thrift store, so even in retirement, you are active. Yes, five days a week. <laughs> wow, five days a week. Bless you, ma'am. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that is. What else are you doing? Is primarily a thrift store volunteer? Yes, mainly that, and uh, of course, attending all of the meetings that the Army has here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just after my husband passed, I had to have something to keep me busy. Yeah. And okay. that seemed to be the solution at the time, so I just keep at it. Can yeah. I just ask you a, a, what are a couple of highlights of your career as an officer? Well, probably the most is the Angel Tree Program. 1979 is when it started in Lynchburg, and uh, it's just kind of grown from there. The ideas of starting was always my husband's, but then my job in this was to figure out how to do it (laughs) and to get all of the workings of an angel tree program lined up. But that's one of the best. Uh, Of course, Nashville, we loved Nashville. We loved our time on uh, DHQ and THQ because we were able to help younger officers and try to guide them along and uh, mentor them as best we could. And it's just working with people, relationships are the important thing in the Army. Yeah. It's so key to discipleship. A lot of times when we talk about discipleship, we focus on you know curriculum and program, but relationship is just as important, if not more important, um, if you don't have the relationships in the army, you're—I don't know what you'd do. It yeah. just doesn't work. And I uh, think one I of guess. the best things, about, yeah, one of the best things about the army is one day you can be uh, dealing with the down and out, the homeless, whatever. The next day you might be sitting in the governor's office or even the president's office. So it's it's just amazing what the army, where the army takes you. It is all, it's everybody, right? We serve everyone regardless right. of right. station or, 
you know, gender, race, it's we're all God's people. Right. Building relationships all across the board. It's really interesting because here, where we are in Alexandria, outside of Washington, D.C., there's a lot of interaction with government officials here. And the the respect the Army has is, you know, so so great that trust is so high. I hope we never lose that. Well, that's something to always work at, yeah. All right, so Colonel White, can you tell us about that very first angel tree, how how it came about, what was going on in, in your life and in your community at that time? Just kind of give us the whole story of um, how angel tree came to be. Lynchburg, Virginia, 1979, we had a new mall that opened, and we were trying to get into the mall with our kettle program. And my husband went out for a meeting with the mall management office, and um, they were saying, well, we really can't do the kettle program inside the mall, but we have this area inside that has all of these trees, big trees in the middle. Can you think of something that we can do there that would help you? So we thought about it, and um, we said, well, children are usually... Um, given plenty of toys and stuff at Christmas through the toy program the Army has. But really, when they go back to school and see all of their friends with new clothing and they don't have it because their parents couldn't afford to buy that for them for Christmas, and we said, that really becomes an issue with children and that we would like to help with. And so she said, okay, how do you think that could work? Uh, with the trees in the mall. So we took a little walk down through the mall and came across a Hallmark store and went in, and we found this Christmas card that had the three angels on the front. And I looked at it, and we picked up one and opened it up, and there was nothing on the back of the angel. So I said, what if we just cut these apart, the card apart, and make, make three angels out of it, put the children's information on the back, and then hang them on our tree. Well, it just naturally became the angel tree. Mm-hmm. And the mall helped us out that first year, and they really did all of the putting the information on the back of the angel. I took the applications, took them out there, and then they did all of that work for us. So that part was wonderful. only mistake we made in doing all of this we did 474 angels that first year at the mall. But we said, okay, we can't put the child's last name on there. We just have to put a first name. But we didn't figure out that we needed a code some way to hook that child up with that angel. So after all of those packages started coming back in, I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, hmm, okay. Now, how do we match this up with the family? We have a first name. So it took us a while to figure out which child went with that package. So the next year we said, okay, we need a number on these things so we can at least do it that way, not have to put the child's last name on there, but we have a way of matching it up with this application. So the first year was kind of a hit and miss and figuring everything out and how to uh, maneuver everything. So it worked out pretty well. And then we went to Nashville after that and started it there, and it just kind of blossomed. I mean, we did over 10,000 angels there. 
which was pretty amazing for just starting. But it just kind of started growing and growing and growing. Everywhere we went, everybody was wanting to know about the angel tree. So it it blossomed. Yeah, so it's really interesting. And this kind of happens in the Army and in other ways, too, but how, you know, something... Um, like really takes root in a community, and then the next thing you know, it's kind of spread across the whole right. the whole Salvation Army. Do you know kind of how that happened? How it became to where now this is the thing the Salvation Army is known for at Christmas? Yeah, when we went to Nashville and started it there, somehow it get, got picked up by ABC News, okay. and uh, somebody from um, Larry King show called us. And they did an interview with my husband on Larry King Live. And uh, then that kind of grew it. Then we had later an interview with Ted Koppel on uh, Nightline. I think that was the name of the program. And uh, from there, it it just grew. Everybody was calling, wanting information on how to do it and all of that. And then uh, from there... uh, it even went overseas. We had some friends in Holland at the time, and they wanted it over there, so we sent them information. Then we went to Republic of Georgia, and they sent information there. So it just kind of grew all over the world, actually. Yeah, so help me understand, or just explain for our listeners that that first angel tree, how did you get people to actually choose the angels? And the idea is, of course, that someone sponsors a child. Is that correct? Yes. We set up a table at the big trees in the mall. And, of course, we made it a sign to set beside it, adopt an angel. And then when people would come by out of curiosity asking about it, uh, the workers there at the table would explain the program to them. And everybody was just wanting to help and to make it an individual thing that they actually had a real child, Uh, they had their first name, they had their age, they could associate that with someone in their family so that they would actually adopt the angel uh, by the names and the association they had with their family, and they had their family to uh, uh, actually go out and shop together for these angels and bring it back to the mall. That's about the only way we did it the first year. We did some interviews with the newspaper, of course, and the radio station, and we finally got a radio station that would uh, sponsor the program, and so every day they were on the air about the Angel Tree program and how it worked and how you could adopt an angel, where to go, and all of that. So now Corps officers across the country and, and, and the world are handling quite a inventory of gifts to pass out. How did you manage with 10,000? Did you say 10,000 packages in Nashville? 10,000 in Nashville. We had acquired, (laughs) we had an acquired uh, warehouse that already had shelving and all of that in it. So we just kind of put all of the numbers out in the warehouse. And as the gifts would come in, we would put the package there by the number. So when people would come in, they would know exactly where to, uh, or the worker would know exactly where to go to get the gifts and bring it back up for the family. So we had some gifts that didn't come in, so we always set up a table where we could fill in those gifts. So we always had 
extras there to fill in for the ones that was not adopted. We get assigned everybody a family number on their application, and if they had three children, it would be that number plus an A, B, and C, so we would know exactly which child in that family that gift belonged to. So it's fairly easy. Then you go up to 25000 and you get a little bit more difficult, but it's the same system. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But so these are people who are coming to the Corps and filling out applications? Uh, well, we had advisory board uh, wives coming in and uh, taking applications for us. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of put the applications in order in two ways. We did it by number, and then we've had another file that was by last name. So if we didn't have a number for that family, we could at least look it up by their last name. So it just just became a just an, a way to find them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly complicated, but also incredibly simple when you think about, you know, it's just it's just a family number and a letter of the alphabet, and it, it works. Right. But all the, there are, you know, a million plus details that have to be worked out each year. But somehow right. it, it always happens. God blesses it, and the community embraces it, and it comes together. We found out volunteers uh, just wanted to work on in that program, so we would have, like, over 200 volunteers on a Saturday that would come and uh, put the gifts out in the order that they needed to be so we could easily find them, put the families together, and uh, it just became kind of a real simple process. In fact, when we were in Louisville, we did almost 25000 at one time. And uh, the advisory board suggested that we had somebody from uh, UF- UPS to come over and look at our program and tell us how we could uh, better the program. And they came and they spent the whole day with us. And when they left that day, they said, you know, I don't think we can help you figure anything out any better. You've got a good system going. <laughs> and there we used to, when people would come in, would assign them a time to come. And uh, we could we could clear 100 families every 20 minutes. Mm. The way it was set up. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. Also, it must, it must uh, really in, have inspired you, just the uh, generosity of the American public coming through like it that. It is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, I mean, some of them would put more information on the family, of course, then we would have to go back to the family and say, is this okay for us to give more information to this person. They'd want to deliver the gifts themselves and play Santa Claus themselves. So, I mean, the people are just wanting to do something for somebody. And they would step up and do it. We just had to give them the logistics of how to do it. Yeah, that certainly, you know, gives you faith in in the (laughs) generosity of the American public. I just read that uh, the, the most generous demographic in the population in terms of charity contributions are those who are not necessarily considered well off. Right. 
Yeah, so it's it's like uh, you know peers in a lot of cases. These are you know people who may not be considered to have a whole lot themselves, but still want to give back out of the you know the desire of their heart. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember one time in Nashville when we had a family that called us from uh, Alaska, and they knew somebody in the area that needed help, and they wanted to help them. So they said, how can we do this? And what they did was they they sent the Army the money, put the names on it, and we went and bought for those families and just presented. Actually, our family delivered those to that family. And it, it was amazing just to watch the faces. They were so happy yeah. uh, that somebody would think of them like that. Yeah, that's. The bottom line there, isn't it? The action, and you know, it relates back to what you said about relationships and how that important that is in the army. So this is just really a way of fostering relationships through angel tree, isn't it? Right, it sure is. Yeah, yeah, it's more it's more than just a present on Christmas morning. You have the opportunity to meet people where they are, and so I found so often when we were doing angel tree interviews that people just wanted somebody to hear their story. Uh, they just needed to know yeah. that somebody else, you know, cared about what was going on in their lives. It also gave so many of our volunteers an opportunity to to participate in ministry in a way maybe that they hadn't before by being that listening ear, um, you know, actually getting to meet with the with the people. And so it was a reciprocal relationship. It was a blessing to to everyone. It's not just about you know uh, us giving somebody something, but it's a ministry to everybody involved. Um, yeah, and a lot of times they would uh, do something all year long for that family. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they got connected to the family personally, which was always uh, run through our office, and mm-hmm. and we would contact the client if that was okay. So you have to be careful of those things too. Yeah. But uh, so many people wanted to just continue uh, helping them find jobs, find homes, uh Give what they needed to survive. It's amazing. Yeah, so I wonder, given you know, given the reluctance of some places to sponsor kettles at their locations, I wonder what the predominant display of Angel Tree is now. Is it in malls? Maybe we used it in Lynchburg on our first one. It helped us get the kettle in the mall. We said, well, we had. We need a person to man the table for the angel tree adoptions. So why can't we just set a kettle right there beside it? And if anybody wants to donate that way, they can. So them all agreed to that, uh, knowing that we would have somebody else in there all the time. I wonder, are there any personal stories you think of of people contacted by angel tree that stand out in your mind? I mean, it's, I know it's hard given the volume, but... <laughs> I wonder if there's any individuals who you, stories you remember. Actually, there was. I don't remember the name, of course, but there was a family who both uh, the mother and the father were blind, and uh, they had uh, three children, and they also had some uh, problems with communicating. So the children became uh, their interpreters and helped them out. But they were living in an apartment that had no furnishings hardly in it. They didn't even have a table. They didn't have a sofa to sit on. 
uh, had n- basically nothing. And uh, we were able to hook them up with a, a company that took them and, and supplied all the stuff that they needed. They provided the food for their Christmas dinner. They provided gifts for the children. And we even got the address, the sizes and stuff that for the adults and the family, and they provided for them. And it was just a wonderful relationship. In fact, um, Jimmy Wayne, if you, you know who that is, is a country music singer. And uh, he helped out with that case. He wanted to deliver everything to them. And uh, it inspired the song that was first written about the angel tree by Jimmy Wayne. And then he wrote a book about the angel tree. And even a movie was made uh, that he produced. So, you know, he was just so interested in this one family. And the one family did. I mean, it was just a heartbreaking uh, story that they had of how they came to be in that situation, and I won't go into that. But it was just a good relationship, and it, he was just so helpful in in meeting the needs of that family. And it inspired all this other, the song, the the movie, everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what a story. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so... <clears throat> So like like the army, the army's there for the long haul, often. Right. And also, the army's ability to partner, you know, be like a, a mediator in a, in a community, you know, pulling together different groups right. and people, individuals, corporations, to to. Now to people get... are amazing, and wanting to help and reaching out and just showing love to those people. And going into their home when it's not always easy to go into their home. But um, I've just inspired by all of the people in every category that helps with the angel tree from the very beginning. You know, people that adopt the angels and the angels themselves and how much they appreciate it. We've got tons of letters after Christmas thanking us for um, all that was provided for their family in a situation where they could not do anything for them at that time. But the Army came through and and did it. It's very gratifying. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, So so for anyone today who is interested in somehow contributing in real time, not technologically <laughs> or by social media, but in, you know, in person reaching out to help angel tree is a great way to do it. Absolutely. As you were speaking, I Googled Jimmy Wayne's angel tree thing. There's a whole fantastic mm-hmm. write up in Rolling Stone magazine. And your name is mentioned there. I think that makes you a rock star. Really? Yeah, it's a great great write-up about how, um, about the movie and the book, the song and all that that great stuff. So that's fantastic. We'll have to try to link it for our listeners so they can uh, check it out. Rolling Stone Magazine. He's a great supporter. Yeah, he's a great supporter. Is there anything um, else you'd like to speak to about the Angel Tree or in general? You know, 
the program has just blown my mind as to where it's gone, how many people it's helped with something that started out so simple. Uh, It's just trying to help a few people in Nashville, I mean, not Nashville, in uh, Lynchburg, to uh, have a Christmas and for the children to have something to go back to school with new clothes. And and it became just not new clothes. They just added everything, toys and everything. So it's it's been a great um, help to the Army in providing uh, Christmas for lots of families. Hmm. You know, I am interested in knowing how the it got rolling through the Army ranks. Is there, was it by word of mouth? Was it the territory seizing it? <laughs> well, it's, it's by word of mouth. Plus, uh, at our School for Officers training in Atlanta, uh, they have a Christmas um, education program for the cadets once a year. And for 14 years, uh, we went down to Atlanta and did that Christmas seminar. And it helped uh, young officers when they're going out with uh, what to do and how to do it and who to contact and actually a, a schedule of events that they needed to do throughout the year to prepare for the program at Christmas time. So that helps when you're reaching um, new officers who are just going out. I'm sure they still do it. I don't know. But we did for 14 years after we first started. And uh, it just helped to grow the program throughout the South. And then, of course, they know people all over the place. And so they promote it to their friends. And it just kind of spreads real quick. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's interesting. We got a submission of an article from the War Cry about this woman who had a broken down bed or a heavily used bed in her house. She wanted to donate, and mm-hmm. she somehow got in touch with, was routed to the angel tree, and she said, "Well, you know, maybe uh, I shouldn't just give a, you know, a used bed." So she ended up buying a new bed and donate, you know, giving that to an angel tree recipient. Right. So yeah, <laughs> stories like that must be so numerous, you know. Well, which reminds me of another story about a bed. A lady came in, and uh, it was she and her daughter who lived by themselves. She was a single mom. Uh, She was working at uh, a restaurant, not making a great deal of money. But her daughter didn't have a bed, and uh, she mentioned that to us. So uh, we were just determined we needed to get her a bed. Well, come for distribution, she didn't show up. And I think, okay, I've got this bed. I need to get this bed to this lady. So I looked and found out where she was working at the time when she came in. And I went back to that that job and asked him, I said, you know, this lady, I'm trying to find her. Is she still working for you? Well, she had changed locations to another one, but she, they knew where she went. So I went over there and finally found this lady so we were able to deliver that bed to that little girl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she must have been surprised at your doggedness, huh? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's what it becomes sometimes. I'm thinking, okay, why didn't they show up? There has to be a reason that they didn't show up. If they were interested enough to come and apply, had to be some reason that they didn't come back for it. So it mm. kind of gets my curiosity sometimes. I have to find them. 
Yeah, so so it started in the South, and it went to the officer, young officers in training learned to, to mm-hmm. develop it. And then I wonder, you know, the, the other territories somehow absorbed it, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. It just kind of spreads, and they have – they have a national advisory board meetings and uh, where the officers from all the United States come, and sometimes they do horn in on a special program that they promote. And Angel Tree's been one of those for several years, and so it just it just kind of spreads. You know, it strikes me. I, I would think after this, uh, you know, pandemic we've been through, there must be so many people who are. <laughs> Could you know use something like this? Right. The army is usually very flexible and uh, finds out what the needs of that community are, and then they try to meet those needs. That's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to follow the War Cry and here on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good. See ya. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.